Hello and welcome to the Mystic Cast, where you join Jack Stafford and Deborah Littleboy, members of the Ethereus Society, the cosmic religion for the Aquarian Age, as we break down the barriers between religion, science, metaphysics, and mysticism, all of which are really only aspects of the self-same quest for truth. Please note, this is an independent program, not produced or fact-checked by the Ethereus Society. Today, our guest is Rex Bear of the Leak Project. Hello, Rex. Hey, thanks for and thanks for the invite. It's great to be here. Well, actually. I've been a fan of yours for a while now, and I've followed you since. You had an interview with Richard Lawrence, our president. Yeah, I think we've done two shows, actually. He's a great guy. You did an amazing interview. You really listened so well, and you asked great questions, and you're really probing. It's one of the best I've seen him do. Checks in the mail, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Much appreciated. Well, it was an honor. You know, I mean, it was just, it was one of those, when you meet people that you have similarities with, and you have certain things you can kind of connect on. It's it's like we've known each other forever, and we probably have. You know, mm, I've been mm. thinking about that lately. How many times have you met somebody, or you just you first meet them and you question, like, well, have we met before? Wow, well, we all have. Oh, you question everything, Arthur. Maybe for <laughs> listeners that aren't familiar with your show, it's a like it's a lot a bit like coast to coast. Uh, maybe you could give a short introduction about yourself and how you came to the YouTube game. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So. I've always been into alternative fields of study, and I was talking about this kind of stuff with my previous jobs. So whether I was you know, in, in the break room at lunch or during work, I would be talking about similar things. And so when YouTube came out, I met some people that said, hey, Rex, you're doing blog talk radio. You're doing um, round show radio shows or round, like a roundtable shows on Godlike Productions, have you looked into YouTube? And I was like, mm, okay, I'll check it out. And I started off with a model similar to Coast to Coast. I'm a huge fan of Coast to Coast, you know, George Nury, Art Bell, Richard Surrett, and, and a lot of the different alternative media platforms. So that was one of the inspirations for Leak Project. And then the further I got into it through the years, I've, you know, I've interviewed many of the same people that have been on Coast to Coast and other platforms. And I've learned so much about these fields of study, extraterrestrials, um, whether or not they're real, how much of it is psyops, and you know what is the origins, and then the mythology and the scriptures and the hermetics and the like latest technologies. All of this stuff seems to have a nexus point where it all connects. And for some reason, I think I was just born interested in this kind of stuff. So it was a, a pretty smooth transition going to um, doing podcasts. I've probably had close to a hundred different jobs in my, you know, and now, so everything from landscaping to selling phone book covers over the phone, a lot of really difficult things. And, and one of the soulless jobs that I had actually, I wouldn't say soulless, but pretty close to it was when I was in my mid to late 20s and I got into timeshare sales and I didn't know much about it, but everybody's like, Rex, you should get into timeshare. I'm like, oh, what is it? And so I got into it and I realized these people that I was working with, they were so above and beyond what I was able to do at that point as far as getting the sell that it, it kind of, I don't, I don't know, it, very, it really humbled me because up into that point, everything that I had done, I was pretty much the top top of my game i would you know i have all these ridiculous plaques to show forth that i've got tucked away and um it kind of made me 
it broke me out of my mold. And I had a out of body experience. I had a couple of out of body experiences when I was in my uh, mid twenties, I think I was 27, 28. And I didn't even mean to. So, and this was during the time that I, that I got into this job and I, I was going to sleep. I popped out of my body. It freaked me out. And at the time I thought, oh man, what if I get possessed by a demon or something? So I kind of, you know, I got back in my body and then I started to fall asleep again. I popped out again. And, and, and it was, if you've ever had a real out of body experience, everything looks kind of the same, at least it did for me, but it was more shades of gray. And it, it made me get into other subjects and other fields of study. Cause up into that point, I, I guess you could say I was kind of a strong Christian as far as the modern day Christian, where you, you, know, you pray to Jesus, you, you ask for forgiveness, you, you believe what your, what your um, religious leaders tell you as far as, you know, don't study magic because it's evil. Astrology is evil. And, and some of these fundamentalist views where when you really start to study the Bible and hermetics and scriptures, a lot of it doesn't make any sense until mm. you realize it's it's a form of control because the original Christians and Gnostics, if you go way back, they were definitely into mind over matter and, and understanding the truth and wanting to get to the truth. And they would have to write these scriptures in metaphors and symbology so that they weren't just, uh, you know, hung up by the Romans at the time. And now people are looking at these scriptures as absolute fact and not metaphor oftentimes, and they're taking them completely literal. Mm. And I think that's where some of the disconnects are. And I'm not saying that they don't describe literal events because absolutely they do, but so much of it is also metaphorical and compared to astrology and astrotheology and and spirituality and secrets and codes that I, it's really taken me down this rabbit hole of, of getting as much information as I can and understanding the true origins of why we're here. And then I started to study, you know, like get into the solar system, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, which I had a really cool synchronicity um, about. So in today's podcast, you had a specific name for the podcast, right? Like what the, the nine steps to. Yeah. The nine freedoms. Yeah. Well, I I didn't realize that until after something was going into my head describing this whole podcast, and I and I wrote out the Council of Nine, and I was like, well, why am I writing out the Council of Nine? Because everything seems to be linked to seven, and then I'm like, well, there's the seven, and then there's the two, the seven and the two, the duality, and then the duality makes the singularity, so the seven actually makes the ten. Well, the stop, of- De- stop, because Deborah's really into numerology, so you're just going to get oh. her excited if we're saying all these Oh, numbers. cool. Okay. <laughs> awesome. You Let's only, hear about that. To, Rich, you only had to say Council of Nine, and I think if you'd look, my ears would. <laughs> because that, the, the, there's a book called <laughs> cool. The Only Planet of Choice, which is, which is um, um, channelings from the Council of Nine, um, which I, uh, uh, which so colorate with, with with the whole of our teaching. So I could I could I'm sort to jump and can't even speak properly now. Which I get when I get get really. Had you heard of that, Rex? Run. You've heard of the Council of Nine, or you just made it up? I, I've heard of the Council of Nine. I haven't studied it much. I've heard you know heard little bits and pieces of the Council of Nine. It was just for some reason that really was coming into my head strong today. And so I, I like I wrote it down. You can see I got notes here. Well, I got the green screen, but up at the top there, I've got Council of Nine. And then I wrote and then I. Yeah. So that's interesting. 
Very synchronicity. Yeah, Deborah, another synchronicity. <laughs> cool. Why? Well, yeah. Tell me more about the Council of Nine. Well, let me just say, Rex, before we came on air, I said to Jack, I'm going to sit very quietly, Jack, and not say very much at all. And he said, yeah, we'll wait and see how long that lasts for, Deborah. And then here we are, five minutes in, and it's just like, well, no, I've lost I think the show you and I need to get to, um, Rex, you and I need to get together and have a, have a conversation outside, outside of this, because otherwise the whole 50 minutes is going to go. And we're well, not give us a brief, uh, for, just for people that want to hear about the Council of Nine. Well, they, um, it's obviously a pseudonym of uh, a group of, in, of cosmic intelligences that were channeling through a group of terrestrials about um, the dangers of atomic um, splitting the atom. And they was they were sending people um, around the world to anchor in the light to keep the thing balanced. And that's the first I ever heard about this. Um, and then later, move forward six or seven years, I find the Ethereum Society, and then I learn again that, um, yeah, we, we the, the cosmic masters and the higher intelligences are moved around the planet to balance the energies. And so we've got this whole, and so then I've gone back to this one planet of choice, which is, which is the book that I, that sort of a combination of three or four different books of channelings before, and there are there, the the parallels are are so close that it it's one well, blew me blew me away. So the and I haven't heard about the Council of Nine. Haven't heard anybody say the Council of Nine for seven years, and it's just made me go like my everything's just gone. <laughs> so. <it's, laughs> Goosebumps! I got them too. Like the hair standing up on my arms right now. I, I honestly, my, I, I'm getting also. I, I, I very rarely feel my heart chakra expand outside my body, but it's here. It's right, it's right here. <laughs> well, the two like, of you just stop it. That's awesome. <laughs> you, you I'm gonna have to send you a check too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> yes, thought, check. Jack, <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Let me, well, that's, let me see this. That's cool. No, that's that's really, that's beautiful. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that makes me feel better in many ways. Like, oh, maybe, you know, there's something more to it than just it popping into my head like that. Um, I, I find that wonderful. And and so I, I guess, let, let me get into the solar system because that was kind of what you invited me on here for was for the presentation of the solar system. Is my I did a presentation. Exactly, yeah. You've seen this one you're talking about, also about type two, um type two planet and uh, the soul trap so yeah like because i see a lot of i see you're really thinking about this um this area of what we you know how are what we how are because if you believe in reincarnation you've got to believe in a beginning and an end no you've got to be and it's it's an evolutionary thing so where have we come from where are we going and i see you speaking to all these people and um uh, you pick you know you're extracting all this information i also want to ask you how you discern that's something i want to get onto later but yeah so tell us about this the soul trap that you've been talking about. You know, I don't even know. We can look at it as a soul trap, or we can look at it, look at it as a soul opportunity. So it's so much of it is verbiage. Also, I think some people get into it uh, into a trap 
And some people look at it as, okay, well, it's, this is more than basic training. This is special forces training. This is be the best that I can be. And, you know, maybe you're training now for the tour de France and this is how you have to, if we can get through this, we can get through anything, but we're not going to be able to just jump into the, the best of the best. So depending on how you look at it, but even the term solar system, so solar system, solar system, our soul system. Does that mean that we're actually in a system that is designed to harness our soul and, and use our soul as an energy source? And I think there's a very real possibility that that's taking place. I, and we're able to live our lives, but there's also something piggybacking off of us, something piggybacking off of it. And in this reality that we're in, everything has to feed. Everything has to have an energy source or it dies. And even if you're a vegetarian, you're consuming a life essence. And so like, where do we find that balance and why is it like this? And, I, and I've been really trying to figure this out. And it seems as if it's, it's a part of this, not only physical, but spiritual evolution that some of us maybe got stuck here along the way. Some of us have chose to be here. But if you if you look at the planets and the way that the planets link to the chakras, as you brought up chakras, Deborah, which you can actually see your own chakras with certain technologies, even if you don't have the ability to see your aura on your own, you can go get a photograph. It's called Curlian Photography. And these cameras are designed to take photographs of your auras. And I've actually got a couple of photographs of my auras and it's from several years ago. But they were the first one, especially was like I was stuck in my root chakra that day. You would the whole image was this dark burgundy and it was linked to my root chakra. And I had a friend that had her photograph taken, a couple of friends, and you could actually see their chakras, not just the, the root chakra. You could see the different colors linked to the chakras, the, uh, the details. And they look just like what the ancients were describing and portraying and drawing thousands of years ago. So how did the ancients know how to do this when they didn't have a Curlian camera to see that? And then, you know, clearly they were able to pick that up, I think, with mental abilities. But also, if we look at some of these ancient civilizations, they were far more advanced than what we're looking at today, even. And you've got two, you've got two groups of thought, it seems like, typically. Oh, aliens did it all. You know, cavemen, there was cavemen and there were aliens. And they were like, oh, cavemen are in the caves and the aliens come down and they make these megaliths. And then the cavemen are like, oh, they're gods. I think there could have been people out there, tribal, just like there are now that would see that. But it was far more, we were more advanced than what our own history gives us credit for. And if you look at these structures, the way that they were built and the way that they are built and the way that they're linked to specific pole stars oftentimes, there, there was this transference of energy, and the energy would be information, but we could also communicate with Sirius, as an example, if you look at Orion's belt, and if you, or if you look at the Great Pyramids of Giza, the way that they're lined up, that area has a very real significance uh, as far as the evolution of what we are, that we could link back before us, the gods that we refer to them as. Um, it's the divine providence, I don't think, even is so beyond what we can comprehend that we have to have a visual and something to understand the apex, but we don't really understand it. So we have to visualize it and, and come up with metaphors and symbology. But much of these scriptures that are written out were most likely 
written after a major cataclysm took place, and I think it's connected to the Younger Dryas event. But if we go back before then, this world was laid out with very high technology where they were tapping into electricity without having to use oil and you know lithium batteries, et cetera. They figured out a way to power, tap yeah. into this zero-point energy, and that would describe why we don't see smoke inside of the Great Pyramids and and evidence of these fires because they didn't need fires to have light. They had, they had a completely different technology to do it. But something happened. Something happened, major cataclysm that took place where they took off and this, this whole world had to change. And I think it has something there. If you go back and you read the ancient scriptures, now let's go back to the ancient scriptures of Shamash. And Shamash is described as a star. Shamash is described as one of the major gods in ancient Sumerian mythology. And ancient Sumer and ancient Babylon, before the Bible, much of the Bible has adopted those scriptures and, and created this canon um, of scriptures that they actually adopted from the ancient Sumerians. So if we go to Shamash, Shamash is a sun, Shamash is a star, Shamash is a god, and then something happens where the name of Shamash has changed to Utu. But I think they're two separate entities. Utu is also considered a sun god in ancient Sumerian and ancient Babylon. So stay with me on this. If Shamash is a star, I don't think Shamash is the star that we have now in our sky. Something happened. If you've heard of the Purple Dawn, if you've heard of the Golden Age, these are connected to a time when the atmosphere wasn't blue, it was purple. We didn't have seasons the way that we do now. We didn't have, the earth wasn't tilted the way that it is now. And we had a longer lifespans. The animals were much larger. The plant life was much larger. Most people were much larger. And this is describing a time, like the golden age was literally a golden age. People were telepathic. They didn't need to communicate in language. Something like the Tower of Babylon is describing when whatever takes place, changes even the human archetype to where now we don't communicate telepathically we have to communicate with words which created tribal warfare and problems and it all sorts of bills and issues <laughs> you start communicating you don't understand each other oh there's another issue oh you thought i said you know you, you thought i was making fun of you but really this person was giving that other person homage but they don't understand it that way so that's that's a lot of the problems we're dealing with now but we go back to this great age and most likely shema like saturn Saturn is most likely the remnants of Shamash. So Saturn was most likely an activated star, and we were most likely within a orbit of Saturn. We were connected to Shamash, which I believe is Saturn when it was a star. Something happens oh, Deborah wants that... She's desperate to get in there. Oh, yeah. Hop in. Jump in. Before I forget, because anyway, just before I forget, we are told yeah. in our teachings that our body, this robot body that we that that we all we all walk around within, is actually a replica of the, our solar system. Mm -hmm. Okay, so okay, so we've got. Let's take Saturn because you you were speaking about Saturn. We know that Saturn is the most evolved planet in our system, other than our sun. Okay, so so we go all the way through our evolutionary path. We end up at Saturn, but before we go on to other things, Saturn is it is the structure of this whole universe. So in our body, it will be our skeleton and our teeth, and so we go on. So once we understand 
that that all of the planets are actually within, represented within our body. We can connect five parts of our body to each each part of our solar system. We're not separate. And of course, we get all our energy from our sun, the creative force of our sun, and through our sun. And this is the important thing, right? Through our sun. So we're a solar system with with um and planets that support life for, for, for us to make our evolutionary journey, which is what you were saying about. Um, the microbes feed off of our body. We eat the plants, the plant, and 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 we could get this whole cycle here on Earth. But but we are all evolving. So then, when we're done with our solar system and our billions, trillions, multi-zillions of quillions of of lives from now, we then go on to either a bigger solar to, to into it to. Ex to a to bigger solar system or another galaxy, and and so we and so we because everything is only just one from one source and it's all fractal. So what you're saying is making so much you know is sense. What we're also told. See, I don't shut up once I start. <laughs> What's we're also told is that we get to this. We, we were on a we were on a planet which we call Maldek, which was also known as Lucifer, okay? So, and that was, that's now our asteroid belt. We, we evolved and we blew it up. We blew up the whole planet. So all the life streams had to go somewhere in our solar system when we put it, shoved it all out of balance, like all out of kilter. And the, the only planet that was suitable to take us was Earth. A sentient being, the Mother Earth. And so the Lords asked her whether she would take us criminals from Maldek and, and support our evolution. So we came from, but because we'd done such a terrible thing, but they had to limit us to, to start from the beginning again, if you want. So, yeah, you've been like really bad. <laughs> you, you're you're a you're, you're criminal, criminal, criminals. You've got to start again. No, 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 no. This is not the way we do it. So then we so with we grew up through the slime, and we got we got a civilization which we know as Lemuria, and we got to it was beautiful, and we were we were advanced. We weren't in the same bodies as this, but we were working in harmony with a deep kingdom, and. Then we found out how to split the atom again and blew it up. And we so we blew up the civilization, not the planet. We're not allowed to do that anymore. I think the earth they turned blew. on our axis as well. I think it is true. That's where that's where we went wonky. Yeah. And then Atlantis. So, yes. So we, so we blew up the, the civilization of Lemuria back to the slime of 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 um nuclear waste. And we had to crawl our way out of that, and we built the civilization of Atlantis. But all the while, every time we blew up something, we were limited from the sun's rays. So then we had they put on the um, ionosphere or the ring pass knot, which which limited our um, access to the to to the cosmic rays. And now here we are, Rex, you might you me and Jack and everybody else <laughs> at that stage. We're, we're messing around with atomic 
um, bombs. Does that tie in, Rex, with what you've heard, like Lemurius and Atlantis? Uh, I think it was 18 million years ago that Maldek was destroyed, which is now the asteroid belt. So, like, as far as the numbers go, the timelines, I don't know. I've heard Tiamat, I think, is also another reference to the planet that was destroyed. And I have a theory on that. There's there's usually two groups of thought on this. There's one group of thought is the electric universe theory specific, where somehow Venus gets knocked out of orbit or Shamash gets closer to Jupiter and, and they start, like, this electrical arcing starts. Imagine... Static friction is an example. A whole bunch of static friction. If there's a, uh, you know, you, you get a bunch of static friction. You touch somebody, you you shock mm -hmm. them. Look up the Lichtenberg effect. If you look up the Lichtenberg effect, it is a perfect example of uh, art. Like you can create art with a Lichtenberg effect, and it's electrical arcing in wood as an example, and it looks identical to the Grand Canyon or the Canyonlands from a satellite view. And the traditional rule of thought is the Grand Canyon was most likely created over millions and millions of years of water erosion. And a little bit, but if you actually ever go to the Grand Canyon, you'll, you'll realize that that's kind of silly to think that. But if you look at it from a satellite and you compare it to the Lichtenberg effect, you can see clearly that it's from electrical arcing, from major electrical discharge. Like the Thunderbolt of the Gods is an example that people hear about. Many of the symbols you will see in these gods, they're holding up a Thunderbolt and mm -hmm. Zeus is a prime example, holding the thunderbolt of the gods. Zeus is connected to Jupiter, the largest planets in the sky. So the electrical universe theory is that somehow this disaster takes place that creates the Younger Dryas event and, and causes the Earth to basically half of it be on fire for thousands of years from Venus getting knocked out of orbit or maybe even pulled out of Jupiter as the core because Saturn's getting closer to Jupiter and all of these events take place, and then that's where the majority of the religions come from, mm. and the gods and the goddesses. But, but also the thinking that these these planets are living beings, we eventually yeah. we eventually yeah, evolve but... in according to our teachings. Consciousness accumulates, and eventually we amalgamate into larger and larger beings, and eventually we form planets. And the 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 Mother Earth is the holiest being we've ever physically touched. It's a living goddess. And one day we'll evolve into a planet. One day. Well, I mean, I certainly believe that Earth is is a goddess and a part of the, the divine. Theory, absolutely, yeah. the feminine aspect and very yeah. a very powerful living being that we oftentimes forget about. But as far as the electric universe theory goes, it's it's more along the lines of people are looking at it as just the you know the universal effects because these planets mm -hmm. got too close. And they caused electrical arcing, and then the people on Earth saw that, so they were attempting to understand it because their life went from amazing to pretty gnarly, and they had to go hide <laughs> in caves. They lost their civilizations, and they didn't know how to describe it. So they thought, well, let's make gods, let's make goddesses. And, and even if you look at the stick man or the uh, squatter man in petroglyphs around the world that people saw at the same time, it's most likely what they were watching take place in the heavens, so they glorified that. Um, that does. I'm not taking away from the very real aspect of divinity, but that's where the electric universe aspect is typically connecting the the thought of why the Earth is the way that it is, why the asteroid belt is there, why uh, Valley Marineris on Mars is the way that it is, um, but yeah, not necessarily one, yeah. aliens or extraterrestrials or yeah. a high level civilization. The other side of the coin to that is. 
they got blown up by us. We created this technology kind of like Star Wars where there's this Death Star or something similar to that, and we blow up a planet. And so now this is our karmic retribution where we have to, like you described. And you know what? I'm not, uh, I'm not sure 100% if one side is true or the other. I would be more along the lines of thinking that there's truths to both sides of this. Because the Iapetus, if you look at Iapetus, which is one of the moons of Saturn, it looks identical to the Death Star portrayed in the film, but it also looks extremely artificial. And I would, and then if you look at Tiamat and these descriptions of how a planet blew up, it would take a heck of a lot of asteroids to blow up a planet like that. It, to me, that seems like a refined technology. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting you said that there are the fake satellite. Artificial satellites. There are many artificial moons built. Like yeah. Luna, like the yeah. moon that we're looking at right now, could we've very well be that, an artificial but I, structure. I've wondered that myself, but I know that we de we've definitely been told that um, the one of the moons of, of Mars is is actually a, a a big satellite space station. If you if you want, um, Phobos. And, you've got me now on a you've got, got me now on a roll. If, if um, Jack. Would would allow my uh, my just to read something something that I I copied down when I when I heard it because it just so resonated with me and I keep it in my holy books now. This is a transmission. I'm only going to read a small bit from um, 30 December 1958 in Caxton Hall. It was given to us by uh, an intelligence which pseudonym is Mars Sector Six. We're told is a lord of karma or is a lord of karma now. And this is like a short history, what he gave to us through Dr. King in 1958, Paxton Hall. This is what we got. Are you are you ready? Some 18 million years, sorry, some 18 million of your years ago, when Adamic man first walked the surface of a virgin world, he found natural perfection here upon your earth. He invited other less evolved beings to come to his sanctuary. They came with the foul disease called materialism, and they started but surely the involution of Adamic man into terrestrial man. The great continent of Lemuria fell into atomic dust. The results of this was excessive radiation, which caused grotesque mutation for generations. Out of the slime evolved through pain, Atlantis, but also evolved that other, spawned in darkness, working forever so, like the evil that it was, took man away from the simplicity of the law which was and is God, taught man how to receive so-called mental stimulation by creating the animals by very personal contact with his own mutilated creation, and Atlantis fell into ruins. The floodwaters eventually settled down, and gradually from the slime of mutation, rose man as you now know him. 
through eons of trials and tribulations, he came to the position he now occupies this day. Upon that same crossroads where stood the involved Adamic man millions of years ago, you stand at this same spot this very night. Verily, O terrestrial man, do you stand at the crossroads of your self-destruction or your salvation? That say is so strong for me. I cannot, you know, I'm surprised I got through that without blubbing. <laughs> so, so, so that was so that was given in 1958 as a, as a sort of like a an overall of uh, like the main points on your journey to here now what you're going to do about it chaps type of um in Deborah's speak and and that there was the, there's this book that also sums it up quite well the uh, the nine freedoms sums it up quite well it's a tra the transmissions the dr king uh, they go through the the nine freedoms uh, bravery love and service those are the first three freedoms you know Bravery is essential. Service is essential. That's what all the beings are doing. The sun is serving. The planet is serving. You know, you go up to higher classrooms, you still have to serve those below you. And uh, love, obviously. And uh, then after that, it's enlightenment, cosmic consciousness, and then ascension. So raise the Kundalini, master materialism. And then you go on to, uh, then you can choose to stay on in the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. Uh, the great white brotherhood as a you know, as an ascended master or you go on to an inter interplanetary existence and you serve on another planet um you're learning all the time in another classroom and then saturnian existence that's the the eighth classroom and that's you really evolve into an ovoid shaped being who can have like, something like over a thousand different occupy a thousand different points in space and time and uh, and then finally solar existence and those are the nine freedoms. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Then, then you become a planet. That's actually similar to some of the LDS um, teachings about the celestial kingdom. I believe if you reach the celestial kingdom, then you can become uh, your own planet, essentially. But I, I haven't studied it enough to get into details on that. One thing LDS, I find what does that stand for? The, the celestial kingdom? LDS, yeah. Oh, LDS, Mormon. The Mormon religion. Oh, Mormon. All right. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. But also, the more studying I've done on the Mormon religion, a lot of that was from the Freemasons. So uh, Joseph oh, it's all Smith, linked, isn't it? All these. Yeah, he was. He was. He was a rogue Freemason, and he basically took off. And 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 I. And anyway, really? there's a lot of stuff to that. But um, yeah, which is interesting because you brought up the universe, right? The universe is you. It's a living being. Yeah in reverse so yeah it's galaxies a living being yeah yeah. yeah 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 but what if saturn was actually a star at one point and a type two civilization create so have you heard of the berkeley current do you know what a berkeley current is no essentially the the universe is filled with these berkeley currents and if you study electricity the berkeley current is is a major force of electricity right if we live in a universe that's essentially electric and the 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 sun is emit, you know, is electric, in essence. Then, if Saturn was a star, and it was an activated star, and you were, you've heard of a Dyson sphere. This is where the theory comes of a Type Two civilization with the moon that we see it, with our carbon beings, essentially the way that we are built and the way that we are designed, 
and then Saturn, the way that it is now. So was there a time when Saturn was a star much larger, being Shamash? I believe so. Something happens. And then now there's these rings of Saturn. And if you're a type two civilization, people have all heard of a Dyson sphere where you're harnessing the energy of a sun or of a star, but you have to create this sphere around the star. That's a lot of matter. That's, that's a whole lot of matter. What if you could do it in a way where you're actually tapping into that current, you're tapping into that electrical current of the universe or of the solar system, you're tapping into it and you're harnessing that energy by creating rings instead of this big giant Dyson sphere that surrounds the whole thing. No, you're, you're doing it in a much more efficient manner. You're doing it with these rings. And I believe that they use a combination of nanotechnologies and artificial general intelligence that we would look at as like in these, these massive possible spaceships. If this is just a theory, but this mm. is just a theory, but I'm not the only one that thinks about this. There's a Have you heard of uh, in the Bible, the ancient of days? Have you heard that mentioned? No. The Senate Kumar is referred to in the Bible as the ancient of days. And he came here because your type two civilization idea is that some, you know, we're created by somebody. No, somebody made these bodies for us. Um, yeah. And that, that is, you know, there are people helping us to design these bodies, but there was the Senate Kumar and that they're in Shambhala and these, the masters from, uh, I think the Senate Kumar was from, was the hot Lord of the flame from Venus, the holder of the, and oh. so, yeah, they, it, there are these beings who help us, creators, but they're all in service to us. There is, we're not, you know, it's not the matrix where we're all in tubes for you so they, people can, and people can come and eat the cows. Like you said, you know, it's not, they're not maybe <laughs> yeah it's just they're all like we I are hope not we are the kindergarten we are the we, because the electromagnetic spectrum is, is a good way to understand it every every point on the electromagnetic spectrum is a realm of is a consciousness is uh exists matter so a different realm um that when we die we go to a different realm which is right here we stay physical but we're just a different frequency and it's the same on the other planets. They all they are all inhabited by much more advanced beings at a higher vibration than us. So all this that's how everything, you know, the it's the multiverse, yeah. It can all exist at different levels in the same space. Bricks, I have yeah. a question for you on Saturn. Yeah. Um if Saturn was a star, a sun, so if Saturn was at, at one one stage was a sun. How did it get do you, in, in in what you've investigated? How did it get back to be below our sun? How did that? I did. I've missed that. I missed that connection somewhere. Okay. So this. Thank you for asking. So let me see here. Um, you've got this like electrical current that's going through different. Like the universe has these filaments that are connected. Um, you can look at a computer rendition of the entire universe and it looks like neurons of the brain and yep. if you take what is called the Birkeland current and if you if you if you study the electric universe from the research that i have done there is this electrical current that activates a star like a light bulb and the light bulb is activated it's turned on so now you've got a star you've got this light in the sky that creates these incredible filaments and plasma and and light and and life and it's it's just you know it's it's a it's it's amazing 
but you could turn that off as well. And you could also, if you figure out a way to tap into that energy, have you, okay, have you studied, have, you know what a Dyson sphere is? No, Never, sorry. No, no that's okay. Let me, let me give you the exact definition down. of a Dyson sphere, because this will make a lot of sense when, when I explain this. So a Dyson sphere is a hypothetical megastructure that encompasses a star and captures a large percentage of its solar output. This would be considered like a type one civilization that could go in and, 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 and the original theory about, well, gee, if there's extraterrestrials out there, how come we don't see all these Dyson spheres? That's one of the, uh, what's, what's that specific? There is a formula that talks about why we don't see ETs. And one of, like, one of the questions is, well, why don't we see these structures in space with a telescope? If there's so many ETs out there, why aren't we seeing them every oh, time we look out in space, right? And the Dyson sphere would be is the way they explain it. And I'm, I'm telling these people, Look, if you're a type one or type two civilization, you're you're gonna jump, you're gonna go beyond that Dyson sphere. And if you want to harness the energy of a star, you're not gonna need to surround it with a structure. You could do it by tapping into that current that's activating that star. So if Saturn is the current of our solar system, it's like the root of our solar system. And most solar systems have binary stars, right? You've heard of the dark star, and there's a lot of theory of you know, what is Nibiru and what is planet X and planet nine and da, 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 da. But most, most, like if you look in the stars, there's these binary stars that oftentimes work together or trinary stars. And we're told that we're in this, just, you know, this single star system and, and we could very well be, but oftentimes Saturn itself is referred to as the dark star. And many people and the ancients looked at Saturn as like Saturn, Saturday, Jewish tradition typically worships on Friday and Saturday, Saturn day, Sunday is the Sunday. Well, yeah. that the the cube, the the Metatron cube um that you that is portrayed in many symbols, especially Jewish tradition and the black cube, the what is that called that's on the menor not the menorah, the menorah is the seven lampstands, which is also seen in a petroglyph that's 7000 years old of the menorah on a stick man figure, which is kind of what I was describing to you earlier about these petroglyphs that were etched in stone when everybody was seeing the same thing. A lot of these symbols were seen in the heavens and then they deified them. But Saturn itself being the root of our solar system, if it was a star and the ancients knew how to tap into that and create this Dyson sphere without surrounding the star completely, but creating these rings, Something happens that causes a major cataclysm in our solar system. We see evidence of life on Mars of these ruins like the city of Sidonia, where you can clearly see a face and pyramids around it. And then NASA comes out later with CGI animation like, oh, it was just a light reflection. It wasn't real. And that the original satellite image, you can see it's something there. And then they go and show you CGI. And it's like, well, it's not real. It's real, folks. That's an old city. Camp of Mars. Cairo in Egypt, Cairo literally breaks down to Camp of Mars. The fallen angels, they're not fallen angels. And I would be very careful to call an angel a fallen angel because they have, you don't want to do that. But anyway, they could have been a highly advanced civilization that actually came from Mars. And before that, they could have been on Sirius. I believe that this earth was colonized by light beings from Sirius. That's my theory. Sirius, Osiris. But what about us, you know? Because because on this planet, every every you lift up a rock, there's a life form under it. You go on everything. Yeah. So 
The rock is alive. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when sure. you're talking about, you know, all these, the we're colonized from, you know, these, there's Andromeda and all these other, you know, far away galaxies and how do they get here? But what about all the planets in our solar system? I mean, surely they're all inhabited by much more intelligent life forms than us, you know, if, if you go with the multiverse idea. Well, why, why would you, now this is one thing that I would say, I would ask you, you brought that up a minute ago and, and I, I was kind of like, well, why are they superior? How, uh, why, why is it obvious that this, there's a superior species on another planet that we can't even see? I, I'd, I'd really like to know your thoughts on that because I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Well, because, you know, you take ghosts and UFOs and the thing that connects them and the life between lives, when you, where do you go when you die? Because you're you're concentrating now on the solar system, you know. But where do you go to when you the life between lives? Yeah, I mean, you have you have you a theory on that? Ah, uh, like I think our frequency, our soul signature is going to depend on that. I think that our past experiences are going to be a compass to where we go next, a map, and mm. I I it could be somewhere. It could be back here again. It could be uh, another dimension. It could be another planet. I mean, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I, I think that's a great question. I want to know. <clears throat> At the same time, I'm scared to know. I, you know, it's interesting. You brought up a minute ago, you said, we're not in pots. And I hope not. But man, if you've ever had a salvia divinorum experience, oh, dude, I felt like I did it to have an out-of-body experience. And I felt like I went into hell, literally went into hell. And then I started just to research the Baba Chakra and the Samsara and the Will of Life and the Yama, which is this giant demon that overlooks the entire Will of Life, which goes back thousands of years. And there's these different, there's these different, you feel like the Hell Realm, the Wandering Ghost Realm, the Human Realm, the Animal Realm, the Diva Realm, the, the Demigod Realm. And they're all based on karma in the center point. But the only way out of this, the only way out of this circle is in the human realm which is really interesting, but there's this Yama, this giant demon that overlooks the entire thing. And I saw that and it's wow, something like what's that? Out of me. the Netflix series, the, uh, uh, I don't know. The latest <laughs> one. I, I forget what the will of time. Right. So going back to your question about why do, why do we believe that the, there are people on the other planets that are more evolved? If that was, if that's what I was hearing you say, yeah. Um, what my thought came in um, on the description we had of a mothership. So for the ships that they use that are, that are mostly built, we're told, on Mars. But there's a description on the mothership, which I, I find fascinating. There's a book, so, so Life on the Planets, which we can send you afterwards. It's out, out of print, but I can send PDF. Okay. Cigar-shaped vehicles are from 1,000 yards to 5,000 miles in length. They may carry up to 7,000 smaller scout patrol vessels, so what we would used to know as flying saucers. The largest of the motherships may take deep space probes into other galaxies. They are propelled by magnetic propulsion units which exert an equal thrust upon every atom of substance within the craft, thereby cancelling out effects of gravitational force. They are constructed, this is a bit I love, they are constructed of organic metal, 
which is susceptible to the thought emanations of the operators. This metal is self-reproducing. That is something to, out of Battlestar Galactica. Um, yeah. So, so, and, and, I, and I really believe that our sci-fis are taken from these channelings and are, are sort of made into, um, made palatable for average man to start accepting like the unacceptable. So, so metal that is manipulated by thought. Now, we don't have anything like that on this earth. We have a rocket that, that only got as far as the moon and, and, yeah, and some people say that they did, that didn't even happen, but I'm not going into that. So that that is why I believe that is why I believe that the that the people in our solar system, entities in our solar system, are of a higher intelligence yeah. or more evolved than we are, because I've only got to look around to see, you know, we 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 we're using vehicles that spit out poison. We, you know, everything about us is 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 crude and primitive, and yet this is what we're descri what's described here from a source that I have chosen to accept as truth, and have done some delving. But I'm not pushing that down your throat at all. But I'm just saying that for Deborah, I've done my due diligence, and I and I believe. Well, well, that goes to the question I wanted to ask, like uh, Rex Navina, like how do you discern? You know, you have hundreds of guests on your show. How do you discern truth? Thanks for asking. I think a lot of it has to do with my body language. You watch somebody's body language, you listen to their verbiage, and you really listen and watch. And then my own intuition will, based upon the research that I've done and the studying that I've done with neurolinguistic programming, body language, and you know, just th thousands of interviews um, and all the jobs that I had before this, I, I can get a pretty good idea on if somebody's being legit, if somebody truly believes what they're saying. Now, th this is one thing that I I got kind of tired of um, that I didn't – at first I thought was kind of cool. Like at first, like these people are telling me these huge stories about places that they had gone and, you know, things that they have done and experienced. And and then I – the year years and years and years of more interviews, I'm like, okay. Some of these people are legit and some of these people are just telling me stories. You know, they're like, well, I got this great story. And, and, and I can, there's been people that have been on my show that I felt like they were just reading through a script. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold on a second. You know, let me ask you a question. And they're like, well, let's go back get back to the script. <laughs> like, I, I know you're trying to, you know, be important or whatever, but it, it's really kind of off putting for the community, because there are so many genuine people out there like yourselves, they're looking for the truth. You're not forcing your, you know, your ideas and your beliefs on others. You're sharing that, and that's beautiful. I love that. It's great to share ideas with each other, but to come up with this huge story, like you got, you know, you went, you got abducted, you went to Mars, and then you came back, and they put you in a different body, and now you're overweight and you have glasses, but you were a fighter pilot for 30 years on Mars, and then I, you know, oh, what did you do on Mars for 30 years? Oh, I saw spiders. Oh, really? You saw spiders? That's all you can tell me? Stuff like that. It's, so it's brought a lot of yeah. discernment to me, right? Where I, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to question. I'm going to question this, and I'm going to question why they gave me that answer and how that's valid. And it appears that 
there are so I know people personally that have had experiences with non-human beings. I myself had when I was just a little like I was a toddler, and I still remember this almost like it was yesterday. I'm in my crib, I'm looking at these beans that are looking at me, and I don't know what they were, but when I grew up, my whole life growing up, I I thought that we had life-size Star Wars figures that were, if you've seen Return of the Jedi in Star Wars, there's this scene where there's these insects that are playing instruments in the job of the hut scene. And they're like, yeah, da, yeah. Da, 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 da. they're kind of insect looking things. That's what I thought I saw in my crib in the first house we live in my whole life. And then I asked my parents when I'm like in my twenties, I'm like, did we have life-size Star Wars figures when I was growing up in the house? And they're like, what are you talking about? They had no idea what I was talking about. And so I described the room to them and we moved out of that house by the time I was two. So this, I described the room to a T and uh, there was something there looking at me. They didn't mm. take me anywhere. They didn't do anything to me, but they were just observing me and they weren't human, but it mm. doesn't necessarily mean they were extraterrestrials or aliens. They were something. And then I've talked. Cause there are different, U there are different UFO researchers. For example, some people just specialize in abduction. Some people just specialize in like a secret space program and they look for, because they do specialize in each area, they look for correlations, you know, and these re things repeat. And so, oh, yeah, okay, I've heard that story 10 times from 10 different people. You know, that's because yeah. people also ask us, you know, like, you don't know, man, how do you know Jesus from Venus? You know, how do you know there's life on the other planets? And, and with us, it's like, you know, we've studied different things, and they all correlate, like you said, the Latter day Saints there, you know, that correlates, and then bits in the Kabbalah, and then there's the the, you know, the Vedanta and the Vedas and the Upanishads and, and, you know, it's in the Bible, all these, when you, it all correlates, you know, and it's kind of like the Theosophical Society came before and it all kind of stacks on top in nicely and it makes logical sense, but it, I can't explain it to you now in a, in a 50 minute podcast, but that's how we discern. So. Yeah. Yeah. And synchronicity, synchronicity yeah. is another yeah. great to me when you have something that connects, it's like, okay, then that is divinely inspired. I believe that's the divine speaking to us in a way that yeah, we're we all know. divine sparks. That's something that really struck with you said that, and that's yeah. really in our teachings as well. We are all divine sparks. We're all aspects of yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're, we're like fractaling out. <laughs> yeah. We we can all connect to the same mind. Now I I know that before I come onto these casts, I. I ask for divine guidance. I ask to be a channel. I ask to be truthful and I connect with my guests. So I connected with you at a higher level and I asked that, that we, that we have a, um, an open discussion to help and show oneness throughout the world. Please give me that. And then you come on, Rex, and you say, um, about the Council of Nine. Yes. And I think. Oh, somebody was listening. We got we we made that connection, and I I sincerely believe that. Now, what I wanted to I know I know we've only got fifty minutes, but you you were speaking about insects, insect characters that you saw. We are told that something called the World Emergency of nineteen seventy two, where there was some um some aliens that came in and they were taking the energy from level six, level six, no, level five, sorry. They were taking spiritual energy off of level five, which is a very high level, which is putting the whole of Earth out of balance. 
but they weren't doing, they weren't belligerent. They needed this energy for their own home world. They saw it here, and so they were siphoning it off. Now, um, they, we were told here that they, they didn't appreciate the mortal danger which they were putting the inhabitants of Earth. Now, our communicators couldn't, they wouldn't communicate. There was no communication channel. They had to sort of get shepherded away. But it says here, what was the question this is? What were these alien invaders like in appearance and characteristics? Okay, this is the answer. They were very small, about four or five inches long, and ant-like in build. They were um, metalloid creatures, very heavy and capable of moving at colossal speeds. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to just dip that in just because I love, I love to make little connections like with personal experiences because it makes it, it's almost like the neural links are already there for you to go out and I don't know what that's going to bring in, but it seemed important for me to share that with you at this stage. So can I just, hey. can I just take the last few minutes of the show? Just... I'm a five life path. Huh? My, my number five is my life path number. Oh, don't start getting numerology again, Deborah. <laughs> we brought up the five. So yeah, I was like, hmm, five life path. Interesting. Let me just share my screen here because before we before we came on, I was listening to your last video and you were talking about time. And you talked about height, breadth, and length. We're in a 3D. Mm -hmm. We're in a 3D and then because we talk about realms for a different realm, some people talk about dimensions, the fourth dimension being a, another realm, but we use the term realm to use mean other realms. And then dimensions is we're in seven dimensions of creation. So the fourth dimension is time. The fifth dimension is motion. Sixth dimension is mind. And seventh is divine will. So we exist in a, and then we also synchronicity, you were talking about spirits, divine powers, power of God. I could send this to you after the show. I know we're almost out of time, but uh, that'd be great. How it links with the chakras and uh, height, breadth, length, time, motion. Well, well I you know what's really cool? Can I bring that. something up with this real quick? So sure. the chakras. If you take all this chakras right here, and you add up all seven chakras, first what you do is you take the one through the six, and you add up all those chakras. And the way that you do it is each chakra has a certain amount of petals on it. So if you take the first six chakras and you add them all up, you get a total of 144. The Light top colors. chakra, which is above the head, which is uh, um, considered like the highest chakra, is, is a thousand petal lotus. And you will find this even in the ancient mythology. So you take the six chakras, you get 144. You times it by the top chakra, which is a thousand. You get 144,000, which would by many could say, well, what, there's 144,000 chosen ones, right, in the Bible? I believe what they're talking about is having your body fully activated with all your chakras in full, you're now at 144,000 petals of the light body. Interesting, because I thought that the, the, the lotus was 998 petals. And I'm going to have to check that out myself now. I'm going to do some homework on that. But yes, Super. but 144 is definitely a light code as far as sacred geometry is concerned. Let's see here. I just typed this in. Um, chakras. Yeah, crown chakras, a thousand petals. Root chakra, okay. 
So you take the root chakra to the third eye and you get 144 petals. And then you take the crown chakra, multiply the 144 by a thousand, you get 144, which is referenced in the Bible. And it's and and people think that there's only 144,000 people that are going to be chosen as far as certain religions. And <laughs> let's let's get this symbolically. And your life body, maybe that's how we leave the matrix. Maybe that's truly what the ancients knew is if you could activate all your chakras and fully activate everything, whether they did it with technology or mind or well, both. What's the sixth freedom? You know, you raise Kundalini. I mean, you, you open the crown chakra. You know, that's... Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it, I mean, people that have done that, yeah. it changes their lives, right? Well, they, they haven't... You have, if you do it once, it's enlightenment, I think. If you do it... If you could do it continuously, it's... Uh, um, I'm messing this up, but uh, once you can do it, raise it up consciously, you know, and ascend. That's a bit much bigger deal than just getting a a raise of Kundalini. You know, that's uh, it's a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as opposed to become a master of it, being able to take it up and down at will means that a you can vibrate at any of any of the any of the levels, travel between any of the levels we've got, and once you've gone above all the levels of Earth, you travel anywhere in the in the solar system and beyond. That's what I. So yes, that's I think I my theory is is right. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it, what I'm what I'm saying is it it marries close enough. But I, I'm I'm now I'm itching somewhere to find out where I saw that 998 petals. So I, a I disinformation site. Email you. <laughs> <laughs> you you saw it on a site that they didn't know how to count up all the petals because yeah because. It's it's literally I'm looking at it and I just double checked. It says chakra seven, the crown chakra, sa um sahasrara, located at the top of the head. It is associated with knowledge, consciousness, fulfillment, and spirituality. Its element is thought, and it has one thousand petals. And it's what else is interesting is it's violet. It's in violet, right? Which is the highest vibrational color. Even science, like if you look at the, the vibration of that color, it is the highest vibrational color there is. The lowest is red. Mm. And the ancients do that also. How did they know that? Well, tell Deborah, tell her about you heating up the metal. Uh, just finish on that, Deborah. Don't do a short okay. one. Because we got we, okay. we're out of time. Okay, here we go. If you if you just just look at it in a, in in nuts and bulbs, if you get a piece of metal and you heat it up. And you watch to see what happens. You'll find that the metal starts off with a very deep red orange, and as it gets hotter, it it actually raises up the color spectrum. And you will find that that very deep red turns to orange, turns to yellow, turns to a greeny bluey color, and then turns to white violet. And that's the hotter, so the higher the vibrations, because heat, you know, as, as it heats up, it, it gets the, the vibrations are higher. And so it's there for us to see plain in plain sight, just by heating a piece of metal. Just go and look at any YouTube and you will you will see that. Um and that and I just love things like that. It's it's the way that I make sense of the world. Brilliant. I like that. That's fantastic. See, the ancients know what's up. Now, nowadays we got to get on our phone and we got to be like, I got to look it up. But they yeah. knew they they weren't no, you know, they weren't dummies. They didn't need GPS on their phone. They could they get there. Go to the higher levels. They could raise it up, see what was going on in the higher minds, bring down that information, and then just know it. 
and nobody yeah. could tell them otherwise. You, with your right. projection, Rex, you know, you, you've you done it um, spontaneously, but you can develop that with uh, yogic practices and you can go to Mars yourself if you need permission. But uh, yeah, you, uh, let's you, go. You, I'm ready to yeah. go. I want to go hiking out there. Yeah. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Leave the physical body. Yeah, I've done it, man. I studied it for a while, 90 day guide to astral projection. And I got into that stuff. I had some fun experiences and yeah, I haven't had an OBE in quite a while, but it's one of my favorite things to do. So every time I've had one, it's, um, there's not much like it. It makes you realize you're more than your physical body. Yeah. That's a, that's a great note to end on. Well, where can people find out more about you and follow you? Leak project, L E A K project, uh, we're on Patreon and YouTube got over 4,500 podcasts. So we talk about a lot of cool things and uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I had a great time speak with both of you and wow. You like really, um, I felt that Deborah. thank you so much. That was a, uh, uh, we, we have a cool connection and let's do a podcast in the future. I'd love to have you guys back on and we could maybe even talk about the, the council of nine. Maybe that's what we should talk about. Whoa. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Maybe we can put some numerology in there as well. That would be that would be something. Yes. Yeah, be honored. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Right, Thanks okay. again. Thank okay. you. Okay. Been wonderful. Absolutely. Take care, mate. Be the change you want to see. Bring it on. Right on. Bye bye. And if people want to hear more about the Ethereum Society, they can go to ethereus.org. Thanks for joining us.